Hello, my beautiful people. It's Nikki Nieves here, current competing national team member of the sitting volleyball team, women's And it's gone long. There are your gold medalists. United States at last have victory over China. I felt so stupid for all the time that I allowed myself to feel bad for myself for not having a hand or like having to fight to be seen in a certain light when at the end of the day, yes, I am an athlete and I don't have a hand, but I still get it done anyway. Welcome back to season three of Flame Bears, Keeping the Fire Burning. I'm your host, Jamie. In today's episode, we follow up with Nikki Nieves from season one. In season one, Nikki focused on her identity as an Afro-Latina woman, and her commitment to Black Lives Matter. Today, we discuss Nikki's life since our last conversation in the fall of 2020, testing positive for COVID three days before the Paralympics, mental health, and her look forward to Paris. So my name is Nikki Nieves. I play sitting volleyball for Team USA. I'm an athlete rep in a lot of spaces, but in the sitting volleyball world. So I represent the athletes for our region in the world, to the Pan Am region. I also represent the athletes on USA Volleyball's board of directors. And I also represent the athletes on the governing body for sitting volleyball at like large, the whole world for World Pair Volleys. Nikki, we caught up when we were out at the Super Bowl event together, but catch us up to speed. What's new? So still training for volleyball, training for Paris. Really cool. I got to re-sign with Citibank and that was like really cool for me because they like continue to see value in me, which was like a really big fear of mine, like signing with these big companies and then not going to Tokyo. So that's cool that I'm still with Nike. I'm in grad school currently for clinical mental health, sitting on these boards and currently I'm just training. So I'm in Oklahoma right now for a little bit training for zonal championships in May, which will serve as a qualifier for Paris 2024. Crazy, we're in 2023. Paris 2024. What about Tokyo? Would love to hear about that as you shared how tough it was. Man, COVID happened, postponed the games. Everything was still kind of in the flow. So like just continuing to train, went home for a little bit because I had some deaths in the family and then came back to finish off the time in Oklahoma to train. And then I got COVID. I tested positive three days before we were supposed to leave. There is the option, at least for sitting volleyball, to have your athlete waited out and then retest and uh, get taken to the games. However, I was replaced in less than 24 hours. Wow. So just to make sure I have that right, you tested positive. USA wanted to share the new roster within 24 hours. And your coaches had your back in regards to slowing down that announcement. Is that right? You were probably still, frankly, taking this all in and and even telling your loved ones. Thankfully, my coach and our, our assistant coach had my back. If I remember correctly, it was a little sensitive to my feelings. So that whole situation was just very sticky. My team ended up winning. That I just, it was just a mess. Like, yay, we won, but we also won without me being there. And then like 
still like being in contact with like my teammates, like trying to cheer them on because like I'm like the loud cheery one. And then like also being cognizant of like my feelings because mental health is like really, really big in the athlete space. And I feel like a lot of people look at athletes as robots, but I'm happy that like as an advocate for mental health, like I'm able to be like, hey, this was huge. Here's how people understood it. Here's how people didn't understand it. So yeah, that was Tokyo. Nikki, I can't even imagine. How did you handle that? I've learned more about myself, like mentally, what I need, the separation that I need when I'm feeling a type of way. I've learned truly that like, I love to play, but I'm not playing for my coach. And that was like my biggest thing. Like I'm not playing to like make him happy. I'm playing A because I've been granted and blessed with the opportunity by, you know, my creator to be able to be in the sport. I'm playing for my teammates because we're all in one accord that we want to win and we want to be the best in the world and to like support them when we're on the court. And then I'm also playing for my family and my friends who've like helped me along this journey, like who have gotten me to where I am today to also not do them a disservice. Like they've also sacrificed for me to be able to do the things that I'm doing. So I'm playing for them. I'm not playing for my coach. And it just kind of like took off a lot of pressure, you know, like I can't, I can't control if I'm going on the court or not. Like, I don't know. It's been a really rocky two, three years, but I just feel like I don't know. I've literally just continued to transform. And I think like school has helped a lot with that. Just helping more about like learning more about like the mental side of things. How did you get to the point of playing for yourself? That's a fundamental shift in alignment. So for me, like I, I just got tired. I was like, I'm tired of like having all of this extra anxiety and stress. I'm tired of like when I do something like, oh my gosh, like I don't, I don't even want to look at the bench because I already know you're going to be pissed and you're going to make a face. Or I already know like if I look at you, you're going to like make a comment and it's going to make me feel some type of way. But I also realized that like he's also human and he's allowed to have his feelings. I can talk with him and tell him like I don't like the way that you're expressing like your frustration with me. It's in fact to me this way. But ultimately like he's going to do what he's going to do. So I have to realize that everybody's gonna make a mistake like it doesn't make me sucky because I would also like ruminate like on all the bad things too one of them from like worlds like I said like I started I was a starter and then in worlds I barely played and I couldn't understand it because I'm like women lie men lie numbers don't my numbers show themselves time and time again you're asking me well what are your stats and I'm like oh my you asked for a, a, let's say like he asked for a, a 400 I'm hitting that at 680 I would ruminate like on the few games that I did play. I'm like, oh my God, like I hit that ball out and that's why, and that's what made me suck. And then I was just, no, you made a mistake. You did perfectly fine. You're okay. I, I acknowledge if I do have a bad game, I do have a bad game, but I'm just like, okay, you're going to make mistakes. I wanted to have that feeling that I had when I was at practice and when I'm like having fun playing with my teammates and I'm just so happy and so free and I'm just like enjoying it. And if I like make a mistake, I'm like, well, that was stupid. And I'm like moving on to the next thing. Given that there's so much that goes on for athletes that we as spectators simply can't see and, and don't really have access to, I asked her teammate, Sydney Satchel, what we don't get to see about Nikki. 
We don't often get to see the effort, the energy, the sacrifices of the people we admire on and off the court field or whatever. And one thing about Nikki as a teammate and as a friend, I want people to know that the loving, bubbly, super athletic and fit person that they may see on Instagram, anybody listening should definitely check out her Instagram. Um, She's amazing. But always get to see what the hard work and the sacrifices that she puts in. And I just want people to know that when you see Nikki, you know that she has been graced by God to be there and that she is an amazing athlete. The stats don't always show the intelligence, the effort, the sacrifice and the hard work that she puts in. But everything that she has, she deserves that and so much more. And according to her friend and teammate, Emma Sheck, Nikki has always been a direct, calls it as she sees it type person. So I've known Nikki for about six years now, and we've both done a lot of growing in that time. But the one thing that I have never questioned and I don't think has ever changed is that Nikki is going to speak her mind. When I first met Nikki, I could tell she was a strong, outspoken woman who was going to stand up for what she believes in. And today, six years later, I wholeheartedly believe the same thing. Whether that's standing up for a social or political movement like BLM or standing up for herself or standing up for a teammate or anybody who needs it, I always know that Nikki is going to be the first one to use her voice for good. And I always trust that she has my back. Yeah, so I'm in school for clinical mental health. I want to be a therapist or a counselor. And just learning about... Honestly, like different theories, so like cognitive behavioral theory or trauma-focused behavioral theory or rational emotive behavioral theory, like just like these different theories that I don't necessarily have to agree with them, but like just seeing how, okay, like people think this way, what are you doing? Like as a counselor, here's what you can try to like help them see it this way. Or sometimes people are acting this way or having these behaviors or having these like thoughts and emotions because of something that's happened in the background that's proving to be true so it's showing up and sometimes it's showing up and you're not even aware of it you're just acting this way like you want to show up for your best self for the client and really try and understand them so like my client saying oh i've had all of like these experience with like lots you know people or x y and z or like disabled people and i'm just like this is what you've experienced and I can't take it as a personal attack. And if I am and it's creating this boundary, I need to go address it with my own therapist so I can be able to show up fully for you. You have Paris on the horizon. You're also in school. I know you also have your nonprofit. What's the plan? So right now the goal is to finish school. I I'm set to graduate January 2025, so I'll be in school through Paris. I'm not going to lie, I'm a little scared. Thankfully, during Paris, I'll be in my clinical hours. So technically, I'll be missing hours serving clients, but that's way better than like physically like having to do like a class. So I'll do that. And then the plan is to just continue on through uh, LA 2028. I haven't figured out yet how... Full-time work as a clinician and an athlete is going to work. So I guess when I get there, we'll just have to see. And the goal right now is to retire in 2028. So yeah, doing that and then like still keeping like limitless. So I don't know. It's just 
it's a lot of things that are like all together, but I don't know. Like right now it's just like school, being a therapist, having my nonprofit and volleyball, at least all until 2028. For those who haven't checked out Limitless People, it's a 501c3 Nikki founded with the goal of bringing volleyball, sitting and standing to all. Nikki, how's that been going for you? I had to pause a little bit because of COVID. Now, thankfully, I have a clinic set in July for Limitless in Puerto Rico, my dad's hometown, which I always go back to visit because my whole family's there. And I love that one. And just trying to do more clinics. I think what I'm realizing too is on the American side, I feel like nonprofit work is harder because there's so much more focus on money and what like you're giving to like the people that you're asking for help. But I do enjoy spreading sitting volleyball in like in its entirety. So I feel like with Limitless on the American side, it's really easy to do like Clinics, as in like introducing sitting volleyball to high schools, to colleges, to middle schools, to teachers, whoever I can to spread more of the Paralympic movement and to spread sitting volleyball. And then in the Caribbean and Europe, it's easier to provide more volleyball like touches and outreach. Honestly, like I'm right now, I'm just trying to figure out like how to like kind of shift the dynamic because literally I can go to Dominican Republic right now in the same city where I've done my clinics and walk in and be like, hey, I need the gym tomorrow at three. And they're like, okay, no problem. Like nobody cares, nobody bats an eye. I'm literally doing the camp, I'm teaching volleyball. I'm like talking to people, talking to the kids, like giving them lunch and shirts and stuff. But like on this side, it's just more political. So just trying to figure out how to kind of like reshift it. And then hopefully I really do want to like put like a little avenue in there for mental health as well. I feel like it'll help me like develop my skills better and also just provide services to people that don't have like the resource to get the help or you know, there's financial barriers or geographical barriers. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking right now. For listeners who like what you're doing, how can they help? Yeah, so there's limitlesspeopleincorporated.org. Check out the website. You can do donations. We also have an Instagram, share some of our stuff. I do want to um, get off the ground to our virtual 5K. And I like that one because I feel like everybody can do it. So I want to get that off the ground again as well. I do that in the fall. So that's really exciting. And honestly, like just being a part of it, if you could be a part of it and just sharing it, that's like the biggest thing that I ask for. So in my mind, I just, the organization is small because I, I like it that way. Like, I feel like I have more control over it and I can just kind of maneuver the way I want to maneuver and understanding that like, it's my baby. Not everybody's going to feel the same way about it. And also, I don't know. I just, everything that I've wanted to do, I've been provided for. Like I've been blessed. God has blessed me tremendously. So I, in my head, I'm like, I don't need to be this rich super billionaire to give the impact that I want to give. Just sharing the love, taking part if you can take part in it. So yeah. Emma, you've known Nikki for six years. Why should people listen to her story? I think we all need to listen to Nikki's story because from the outside, you know, you see this strong, powerful athlete with an electric personality who takes the court by storm and turns heads when she does it. But the more you talk to Nikki, the more you realize that she is 
a lot more than an amazing athlete. She's an incredible person who is always there for her community, for her teammates. And the more you also realize, Nikki has had to work really hard to get where she is today. And the world has not always been on Nikki's side, but she has worked really hard to make the world a better place, to lead herself through her life with confidence, and to challenge those around her to do the same. So I know that I look up to Nikki. I would love to be a little bit more like Nikki. And I think the more that other young people are hearing about Nikki's story, the more that they themselves can learn from her. And, you know, we could all use a little more Nikki in our lives. So I, I hope that by hearing her story, we can all incorporate that. To bring it full circle, you wanted your first episode to focus on Black Lives Matter. From your perspective, what has changed or, or frankly not changed? And have we made any progress? I feel like people are more aware of the differences within race now. I feel like they're more aware of like even microaggressions because more people have spoken out, because more athletes have spoken out. And to be honest, I think the biggest thing that could happen right now is just continuation of allyship. So just continuing to be a voice, continuing to provide the space if you have the availability to provide the space and the resource to provide the space and elevating Black voices just to listen to their story. I feel that sometimes people don't really believe that like situations have actually happened to individuals or Black people. And I feel the more you hear of the experience, the more it makes it real because it's like, oh, like, yeah, like you saw a unicorn. Yeah, okay. But then if it's like different people in different areas are like, oh yeah, I saw the unicorn too. So did I, this is what happened. It's like, oh, well maybe like the unicorn is real. like. So, yeah, just continuing to elevate Black voices and just continue to be an ally and being the space. And for me, like, just not being afraid to, like, share my stories and my experiences, understanding that sometimes the experience might make other people uncomfortable. But it's my truth. So the more that I spread it, the more people are aware and it makes it easier for other people to feel comfortable to share their story as well. Nikki, what is the one action you want our listeners to take after listening to your story? My one action would be to ask the listeners to just continue to support the Paralympic movement. It's come a long way, but it's nowhere near equal as our Olympic counterparts. So just continuing to watch these Paralympic sports when they're on TV or attend these clinics or demonstrations of different Paralympic sports, taking part in them so you can get the experience and you can see what it's like to be in that dynamic, to be in that world. Yeah, just continue to support para-athletes, you know, we're out here working hard as well and we want to be acknowledged as the hard workers that we are just like our Olympic counterparts are. Thanks for tuning into Flame Bears, keeping the fire burning. For more behind-the-scenes coverage, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn by searching for Flame Bears. Thank you to my amazing teammates, Marissa Potter and Lizzie Michael. And thank you to Dino Catano and Emma Minto for your ongoing support. We'll catch you on our next episode.